Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you chose to join us today, and once again, welcome. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, what we're doing is we're continuing our series, which is entitled Be Christian. And today's message is actually going to be subtitled Learning to Worship learning to love God. And we're talking about this because every day we're all answering two eternity shaping questions regarding God. Number one is, do we worship him? And number two, do we love him? So to answer those questions today, we're going to focus on this statement that to be Christian, we must learn what it means to worship and love God through Jesus Christ. And that means, yes, even in 2020, when it seems that the world is all in disarray around us and there's so many pressures and there's so many strains, how do we love him and how do we worship him? To that end, we're going to break the message today into those two parts. We're going to talk first about learning to worship. And then secondly, we're going to talk about learning to love God. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, and we thank you that it provides great encouragement to us, helping us keep the main thing the main thing, that whenever we look to you, we're coming to worship you. Whenever we look to you, we're coming to love you. God, help us to be empowered to do that today by the revelation of your word and Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's begin by talking about learning to worship. Now, Whenever we talk about being Christian, it means learning to worship God in the way that the Bible prescribes. And that's important because there are many ways that people try to be spiritual nowadays, but it's not necessarily giving God that which he's looking for or that which he's already said he wants. But in the Bible, we see that King David was literally a man who was known to be after God's own heart which meant according to God, God said, not only will he do everything that I want him to do, but I'm going to use him by the Holy Spirit to communicate to the world who would be worshipers of mine, how I want to be worshiped and why they need to do it. And so we see in Psalm 145, which is the last of King David's recorded songs, a song that's singing about how to worship God in the way that he describes. And we will see this picking up in verse one. So read along with me if you would. King David said, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. 
They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. And so whenever we talk about learning to worship, first, we need to understand that the word worship in the Bible actually means to serve. When you are worshiping somebody or something, you are literally giving your life to serve it or them. And a life of worship to God begins with the acknowledgement and praise of who he actually is. Now, this is a beautiful thing because when you come to God, I don't know about you, but when I came to God, God gave me, and I know he wants to give you a song to sing because when we come to him and we actually encounter God and we actually come to know him, we finally get a realization of what King David was talking about. We get a realization of God's greatness. God's majesty, why he's royal to be honored and revered, his abundant goodness, according to David and by the Holy Spirit, was to all people who grew up in the church and people who did not like myself. His righteousness that we can't earn on our own and if we're going to have right relationship with him has to be given from him, thus foreshadowing his son, Jesus Christ. We're praising him and learning to worship him because of his mighty acts. And particularly, you begin to realize what he's done in your life and then ultimately as you submit to him through your life. That's why we worship him. And being Christian ultimately means making the transition from just acknowledging God as a king to here's this important transition to acknowledging him as my king. When I'm coming to worship, I'm acknowledging God as my king, declaring him Lord of my daily existence. This is how David begins in Psalm 145 when he said, I will extol you, my God, not just everybody else's, not just some unknowable amorphous force, but I'm extolling you, my God and my King, talking about the relationship that he has, not just a knowledge of God and his power, his greatness, his might, but he's saying through relationship, I'm declaring you and extolling you as my God and my King and blessing your name forever and ever. And what this means is that being Christian doesn't mean just trying to be a better person, but it means finally coming to and submitting to the one who is going to make you who you were always intended to be. Meaning that your creator, you're coming back to him as your God and your king, and then you're allowing him like a potter with his hand on a wheel to reshape you according to his grand design. When he made you, he had an intention in mind. And when you come to him in worship as your God and King, you're saying, God, mold me, shape me, recreate me in the way you always intended me to be. And the benefit of this worship to God is that when we finally submit to him as our God and King, when we allow him to shape us, that's when we actually, funny enough, find what we're actually looking for. That's when we find the greatest freedom, the greatest joy, the greatest peace, daily satisfaction, and life fulfillment that we've ever known. I know that's my story, that when I chose to walk with God because he chose me, 
in Jesus Christ. I was released into the very thing that not only I was looking for, but I saw everybody else around me was looking for. I finally had it and there's nothing that I could do. There's nothing that I wanted to do rather to ever let go of it. It was a pearl of great price that Jesus referred to when he spoke about the kingdom of God. And there was a man who once he found it, sold everything that he had to get a hold of it. That is the worship that's evoked out of a man and a woman when they actually meet God. Is that your story? It can be. And it's what God's inviting you into. And this is only a small portion of the wonders for which we extol God. And it's, But it's also why it's been said that the only one that can satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. Now, praise makes this known. And giving God praise is something that can be done anywhere at any time. It can be done in the car. It can be done along the road. It can be done with when you're with your family. It can be done when you're alone. And giving God praise is accompanied by the things that David talked about in that song. It's accompanied by meditating on the wondrous works of the Lord. Some of us haven't come into a real life of worship because we don't spend time thinking about the wondrous deeds, what God has already done, what he's shown of himself, who he is, his character, and what he's done in creation, what he's done in my life personally, what he's done in the world around me. But worship includes this. It also includes, as we see, that the psalm itself was a song. It includes singing to the Lord. And some of you who are shy need to just break free and get loose a little bit and learn to sing with God. It's great to learn to do it here in the virtual space when you may be with a small group or alone, but it's also good to do it when we're together collectively, breaking free and letting the Spirit of the Lord really fill you with the life of God to sing the greatnesses of God. It's sharing testimony. So the Psalms also sing about dancing, clapping, shouting, and leaping unto God. Why? Because he's revealed that he's worthy of these things. And there's something to rejoice about. And in 2020, I'm so glad that there is something to rejoice about. That though there's pandemonium going on around us, God remains enthroned in the same in heaven above. And he is good worthy of our worship, worthy of our praise, and we learn to give it to him as Christians. And as far as frequency, the psalmist says that we should do it every day forever, meaning without end. This means that despite what's going on around me, I'm going to proactively make it a part of my lifestyle to praise the Lord. And my question is, is that part of your daily routine? That throughout the day and in specific moments of the day, you're setting aside time to praise the Lord. Well, to be Christian, this needs to be part of your lifestyle. You are giving praise to God. And why is this so? Well, I'd like to submit to you that the art of praise is a lot like learning the art of encouragement, but because of God's goodness, it has reciprocal effects. Now, a friend recently posted on their social media page that talking about mental health awareness, she was actually sharing a quote from influencer Stephanie Peltier, who said this, that you shouldn't tell a mother she looks tired. 
And how many moms in the midst of the pandemic could say amen to that? <laughs> says, don't tell a mother she looks tired. She already knows that. Tell her she's doing a great job. Why? Because she may not know that. Amen. <laughs> also avoid saying is what my friend said. Whoa, you look like you have your hands full, right? Instead say, you've got this. Or I'm here to help whenever you need it. Now saying these things would be learning the art of encouragement and would only be made even more powerful by attaching the word of God to it, by actually speaking the truth of God over that mother, her value, her worth, her, her, in, her in, um, infinitesimal uh, uh, importance in that child's life, right? That would be the powerful thing. Now, similarly, the art of praise works a little bit like that. You are telling God, not what he doesn't know, but what he already knows about himself. But you're telling him and you're declaring to him that which we need to be reminded of, that about which we need to be established in, that about which we need to be lifted. And the reality is, is that the life that you need in your soul, especially during the time like this in the pandemic and your, your soul consisting of your mind, your will and your emotions, the life that you actually need comes through praise and worship. When you are declaring what is true about God, despite your feelings, what you perceive of your circumstances or what report you've been given. It literally lifts you to the place of God's eternal rule and of God's heavenly influence. And this is what was demonstrated in a particular instance with an Israeli prophet named Elijah in a message that was uh, preached right before the pandemic lockdown in March by a pastor named Jim Critcher at our church. If you hadn't heard it, it's actually on our website. It's actually called Out is the New In. And in it, he referenced this scripture in 2 Kings 3.15, where Elijah was speaking to the people and he said, but now bring me a musician, implying worship to God. And when the musician played, when there was worship, the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, meaning he began to prophesy, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. And when we praise, just like Elijah, it is preparing our hearts for the hand of the Lord to come upon us and for the power of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, to be released in our lives for healing, for refreshing, and for deliverance in our minds, our bodies, and our situations. And whenever we're singing songs of praise to God, we are joining in prophesying what God will do by his sovereignty, strength, and might because he's already said it in his word. He's already declared things in his word that he said are true and will come to pass because nothing can thwart the plans of the Lord. That's why we sing and love that song. Uh, men of his word, right? If he said it, we believe it. Why? Because God is a person of his word. I feel like a lot of times when I'm praising, I almost feel like I'm singing the first song of Hamilton. If you've seen it on Disney Plus, when they were saying Alexander Hamilton, 
but Alexander Hamilton was talking about what he was going to do, and he was always <laughs> in sort of a sly manner say, just you wait, just you wait. And I feel like every time I'm praising, I'm saying that about the situations that I'm surrounded by. I declare by the praise of God what's true about him, what he said he's going to do. And then I'm like, just you wait, just you wait. That's the power of praise. And it reminds me also of what Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but the Protestant reformer actually said when he said the God whom we worship is not a weak and incompetent God. He is able to beat back gigantic waves of opposition and to bring low, prodigious mountains of evil. The ringing testimony of the Christian faith is that God is able. And every time we praise, every time we cultivate this life of worship before Almighty God, this is what we're declaring. And this is why we need to praise God throughout our days and make moments of it every day, even in addition to our corporate moments like these. People often say to me and say things like, you know, Rollin, I need more faith. And to that, I reply with a question. Have you been reading your Bible? People often say to me, Ron, I need more peace. And to that, I ask the question, have you been praying? People say to me, Ron, I need more encouragement. And then I ask them, well, have you been taking advantage of the opportunities of uh, corporate gatherings of the believers like our church services or our community groups? But when people say to me, Roland, I need more joy. You know what I ask them? I say, have you been spending time worshiping God? Why? Because whenever we worship, God says he sits enthroned upon the praises of his people. And whenever we're worshiping him, lifting him up, we're basically coming to a place where we're acknowledging we're in the presence of almighty God. And God said, according to his word in Psalm 16 by David, that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are eternal pleasures forevermore. And that's where we want to live. That's where we want to be, learning to live a life of worship. And you need to know this, that worship transforms you because you are over and over again immersed in the reality of not your worth, but of God's matchless worth. And whenever we worship, we're transformed. We're declaring who he is, but as we reflect on him, we become more like him. And when we become more like him, we're transformed into his glory, into his image and into his glory, which means the more we worship, the more we'll be transformed. And this ultimately leads to us learning how to love God. And being Christian ultimately means not only do we need to learn how to worship, but we need to learn how to love God through his son, Jesus Christ. And David continued to talk about this when in Psalm 145, verse 14, he said, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him.
You hear that? The Lord preserves, and that's good to hear in 2020, the Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So what we see is that learning to love him is important because God places a premium on those who do. And as the psalm intimates, there are times that we feel like things on the things on which we've been plate leaning are removed. The things on which we've been placing our trust whether it be our financial state, relationships, our daily routines, they are removed from us. And possibly it seems like things are out of control. And this is much of what 2020 has felt like. But when we feel like we're falling, we find that God is trying to show us the things that we were depending on. But what, and he's showing us them because we're fighting hardest to grasp at them and maintain those things to sustain us. But they end up wanting in our life because they're not Christ. And therefore, the things that we've been giving our love to are disappointing us when God's like, give your love to me and I'll never disappoint you. It's what Jim Carrey came to understand when even he's uh, been, I know, making appearances on SNL. I haven't watched it, but I've heard that he's been making um, appearances on SNL recently. And Jim Carrey, back even in 2018, was talking with an interviewer for the talks And he was being asked about after attaining and succeeding at so much, what was it that was provoking his own spiritual awakening? And Jim Carrey said, I guess just getting to the place where you have everything everybody has ever desired and realizing you are still unhappy and that you can still be unhappy is a shock when you have accomplished everything you ever dreamt of and more. And then you realize, my gosh, it's not about this. And I wish for everyone to be able to accomplish those things so they can see that. And it's literally from these types of trappings of wanting desires that Jesus comes to set us free. And the scripture continually alerts us to the truth that without a biblical love for Jesus, we will never truly be satisfied. Yes, again, Hamilton. But the Lord upholds those who are falling. And then there's those, there's the issue of those who are bowing down, according to David. And worship in the Bible was often accompanied by those who were bowing down, kneeling, and even laying prostrate before the person or the thing to whom they were demonstrating an internal submission. Now, in our time, the question is, to whom or to what have we been bowing down? This has been a crazy year, and really, people have been really shaped and crushed and pushed down or really driven along by different ideologies popping up in our society and our communities. And it's really been almost becoming a form of worship to people where they're saying, I'm pledging my life to this thing, not to God, not to Christ in his ways, but I'm pledging my life to this cause. I'm pledging my life to this party. I'm pledging my life to actually accomplishing these things. In our time, we've got to ask the question what we've been bowing down to because it's determining not only what we're worshiping, but where our love is going. 
And the Lord is saying, according to David in the Psalm, that the Lord lifts up, meaning he encourages, sustains, refreshes, and exalts those who are bowed down to him. Not to everything else, but bowed down to him. And biblically, we can see that any ideology that places the love of certain people, parties, and systems before and above God is at the root of humanistic idolatry. This is why William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, which has done so much good in the world, actually was prescient even for our times when he said this, that the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. And there is no way to truly love God if you are placing any person, any cause, any agenda, any group, any pursuit, or anything before the love of God. Now, why? It's because worship was never meant to go to an amorphous, ambiguous God, nor was love for God ever left to be obscure or undefined. It's why Jesus, even in his ministry to his disciples prior to his crucifixion, when he would go to the cross to take the punishment for humanity's sins, that we might actually, looking to him, be forgiven of those sins and actually repent of those sins and go in a different direction and go free, He said, even in that tumultuous time, he said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you all may also, uh, may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas, who was one of the 12 disciples, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So what he was saying is literally that, listen, In all the different options around you, there's only one God and there's only one way to that God and that's through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, listen, if you want to know God, if you want to know who you're giving your love to in worship, you need to know me and live according to the pattern that I'm giving you. And in the Psalm, God reminds us that he's a provider and sustainer of all life-giving things, and therefore we should learn to love him. So it needs to be said that just because you are participating in a church service no more makes you a Christian than going to a gym makes you an athlete though we wish that were to be true. And no more than wearing Lululemon makes you a certified yoga instructor. We need to know that God has prescribed specific ways for us to love him if we're going to be Christian. So the question is, how do we love God? How do we love God if we're going to be Christian? Well, Jesus made it very plain when he said, again, in chapter 14, verse 15, 
If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Well, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what we see is that Jesus is making it very clear. If you're going to be Christian, you need to love him. But to love him, you need to keep his commands, which implies that before you can keep them, you need to know them. God says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you don't love me, you will not obey my commands. It's as simple and as plain, black and white as that. But this is why we say you must read your Bible. Know God by his commands, know why he's worthy of worship, know why he's worthy of praise, submitting ourselves to him and obeying his commands. If you've not done that yet, now is your time to open that Bible for the first time maybe and actually begin to not just hear it from a preacher, but hear it from off the pages of the word of God itself. And what we cannot do is in 2020, we cannot allow our muddled times to allow our love for God to grow cold. We cannot let our disappointments with people, our frustrations with our political environment, or the personal and emotional strains of the pandemic diminish or steal the peace that Jesus actually says he has for us when we love him. Rather, let everything, and I do mean everything, deepen your love for Jesus as you recognize that Christ alone is our standard of perfection and also our source of eternal hope. This is why uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of London during the 1800s, said that the Lord hath promised the crown of life to those who love him. Only lovers of the Lord will hold out in the hour of trial. The rest will either sink or sulk or slink back to the world. Come, my heart, dost thou love thy Lord truly, deeply, and wholly? And that is a question we need to be asking ourselves in 2020. Are we worshipers of God? 
Are we people who actually love him, love Jesus, and aren't just cultural Christians? Because if we're not, we need to repent of religiosity. We need to repent of dead religion and come into a place where we're loving him and expressing that love through the knowledge of and obedience to agreement with his commands. And as you deepen your love for Jesus, the love that you have for others in the world will follow. As you relish in the grace of God expressed to you at the cross, it will overflow in the grace that you're able to show others, no matter how heated this time is in which we find ourselves. It all begins and ends with the love of Jesus Christ. You need to remember that you are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves you. And it's by the strength of Christ's love for you demonstrated at the cross. This is why we can find some truth in the words of the English poet Richard Lovelace when he said, we are not saved by the um, by the love we exercise, but by the love that we trust. So again, at the end of the day, when we stand before God in judgment, these are the questions that have to be answered. Number one, did we come to Jesus at the cross to be reconciled to God and forgiven of our sins? Number two, did we in turn repent of those sins and submit ourselves to God in a life of worship to declare the praises of who he is and what he's done? And then number three, have we chosen to love him? Not just once by praying a prayer, but every day, in every interaction, in every thought, and in every way. Because if we haven't, we cannot reasonably call ourselves Christian. We may be nominally Christian by the culture that we found ourselves in, but before God, who knows those who actually belong to him, we cannot say that we truly love him. But today, if you find yourself estranged from God, living a life devoid of worship and devoid of true and genuine love for him, today is your day to repent and come to him for your peace the peace that Jesus offers in his mighty name. So let me start by talking to my brothers and sisters who've called upon the name of Jesus for years. But maybe you say, you know what? As I reflect on this psalm and the words of Jesus today, I I realize that I've been more a part of an environment rather than actually someone who practices a life of worship to God. I don't have a song in my heart. I have nothing really I feel like to sing about because I feel like I'm the same as I was 10, 20 years ago. And if that's you today, but you say, you know what, God, today I'm asking you to teach me how to love you and teach me how to live a life of worship to you. Let me start by praying for you. God, I thank you for those who've come to a place where they can distinguish the difference between just knowing about you and living a life of worship and love for you. And God, I pray for any man or woman out there today who says, God, I I want to live this life of worship and love to you, but I don't know how. God, I pray that today, through their repentance and their faith in this word, you would make them a new creation, that you enable, enable them to be born again born again by the power of your word and Holy Spirit. 
And so if that's you today, I, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And really, this is for people who may have grown up in the church and people who may not have grown up in the church. But you know what? Like today, I hear of God's greatness, his goodness, what he's done for me on the cross. And I want to receive him just like anybody else would. In either of those camps, if that's you and you know you need to be born again today so that you can be a worshiper who worships, who worships God in spirit and truth, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner and I admit to you that I've worshiped other things besides you and I've, I know that it's been to my detriment, but I don't want to do so any longer. I haven't had a love for you, but I want to give it to you today. And I admit to you that I acknowledge rather that Jesus, you sent him to live the perfect life that I should have lived and on the cross died the sacrificial death I should have died. And three days later, because of his innocence, you raised him from the dead so I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in you. God, would you let the power of that reality work in my life today? Would you make me a new creation and cause me to be born again and allow me to have a new life in you? I proclaim Jesus as my Lord today. And I'm asking you how to teach me how to worship and love you the rest of my days according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer sincerely, God's made you a new creation. And would you go with me to secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but also next steps and how to walk out this life of worship and love in Almighty God. Once again, are committed to being Christian, learning to worship God, and really to love God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, we want to encourage you to continue to do that through our community groups throughout the week. And if you've not yet found one, please do visit our website where you can find both virtual and in-person options. But next week, as we gather together again, we invite you to bring a friend who also needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and share this link throughout the week so that other people people can be encouraged. But God bless you. We'll be praying for you. And we look forward to seeing you then. Have a wonderful week in the Lord.